Break me off a piece of that pork chop, baby. Break me off a piece of that meat. Break me off a piece of that pork chop, baby. You look good enough to eat. Break me off a piece of that pork chop, baby. Break me off a piece of that meat. Break me off a piece of that pork chop, baby. Stop and try to take on the street. I ain't lying when I tell you I'm in love with you. Thanks for listening to the Philip K. Dick Book Club. In this podcast, we go, we're going to be going through Philip K. Dick's stories and novels, pretty much in the order of publication, as much as that's possible. And this episode, we'll be looking at Beyond Lies the Wub. Beyond Lies the Wub is Philip K. Dick's first published short story, although it's not his first sale, nor the first to be written. It appeared in the July 1952 issue of Planet Stories, a magazine that Dick called the, quote, most lurid of all pulp magazines on the stands. So I'll start with a brief summary, and I'll give some impromptu commentary as we, as we, go, through the, um, as we go through the plot summary, and then we'll look at some of the major themes of, of this story. After that, we'll open it up to, to commentators and, and others who want to put in their two cents about this work. Okay, Captain Franco, he's the commander of an interplanetary hunting expedition, and he is overseeing the loading of a ship, of all the cargo and things that they've, they've collected. So right away, right off the bat, we see that we, we have explorers going outside of Earth to find resources. This is a theme that's going to come up again and again in Philip Dick's works, um, especially in the stories, and to a lesser yeah, Lesser degree, I don't know. I, I think it, it shows up a lot in the novels too, but it, it's it's there a lot in the early early short stories at least. Um, there's going to be other depictions of the frontier, um, like in Mister Starship, which we'll look at pretty soon. There, the frontier is kind of the chance for humanity to remake itself. Sometimes, the the frontier, especially Mars, is a place kind of for the for kind of a, an elaborate suburb. Sometimes it's the place where humanity is developing, while Earth is the place left behind. Dick actually has a whole bunch of different kind of images of the frontier, which we're going to have to break down um, as we go through his work. So then he sees a local contact off, kind of the local buyer or whatever, or seller. He meets his first mate, Peterson, and he's leading the wub to the ship. The wub appears to be a large 400-pound pig. I'm not quite sure how big 400 pounds is. I mean, it's not gigantic, but, you know, it's, a, it's a, you know, like a really huge person. 400-pound pig. And I, I guess there's wild hogs that are at least that big, right? So it, it's, it's this big thing. Um, Peterson purchased it for 50 cents. And he, his, his reason for purchasing it is just he wants to eat it on the return trip. Um, after takeoff, the crew attempts to understand the wub and how to keep it alive. Peterson explains that it eats most things, um, and they are able to get it to drink water. So there's some optimism that the wub will be able to keep live enough to be eaten. Now, Captain Franco, on the other hand, is eager to taste the wub right away. He comments that it's fat enough already, there's plenty of meat on the bone, so let's just get ahead and, and eat it. Interrupting this conversation about its fate, the wub begins to telepathically talk to the crew. 
The Wub pleads for a change of subject and demands a right to have a say in his fate and what's going to happen to him. He sort of demands democracy in terms of what's going to be eaten and who's going to be eaten on the ship. Now, the cook, not knowing what to do in this situation, kind of just is willing to wait. Um, and the wub follows the captain into his office and they begin to have a conversation. The discussion with his captor in the, in the captain's office is quite interesting. The wub explains how he's able to communicate with the crew in English. He then suggests that he would be much more valuable to the crew and the, the captain as kind of the resident philosopher, almost like an entertainer of sorts on the long voyage back to Earth. As for the need of food, the Wub suggests that uh, the fair thing to do would be to draw straws and eat the loser. The Wub leaves the offices, quote, deep in meditation. Now, sometime later, the Wub and the crew are discussing Odysseus, the Greek hero from uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey. He's being discussed as a Jungian archetypal figure. And of course, we have a crew returning to Earth and Odysseus is returning home, so... You know, he's kind of fitting and he's the Odysseus is the kind of character perhaps uh, people on long interstellar voyages would, would think about. Captain Franco interrupts the discussion and returns it to the subject of eating the wub. The crew resists this and the, because they've already become friendly with the wub. The wub have been talking to them telepathically. They learn to appreciate him and like him. And meanwhile, the wub points out that eating meat suggests that moral human moral progress has not kept up with his technological development. Uh, so they're at a bit of a standoff here, and to resolve the standoff, the captain simply shoots the wub between the eyes, killing it. Well, apparently killing it. The crew barely partakes in the feast of the wub, however the captain seems to enjoy the excellent taste of the creature. The captain, suddenly philosophical, asks the crew to enjoy the meat because it's only organic matter now, and the captain, who is now clearly under the mental control of the wub, continues an aborted discussion about Odysseus. So that's the story. Um, it's it's pretty short. I, I, it comes in at only what, seven pages, maybe, and the collected stories of, of Philip K. Dick. It, it's not very long. It's not. There's not much to say about this. Um, but there's some interesting stuff here. As with all of Philip Dick's stories, the power is really in the ideas, and there's a lot to kind of unpack. I, I, I'm going to just talk about four things, though. Um, the first is on the ethics of animal consumption. The ethics of eating animals is discussed directly in the story at various times. Um, pretty much from beginning to the end, it's there. This is a, a hunting expedition, so it's about eating animals. The Wub is the first to bring up the question of whether it's right for people to bring up to, to eat animals. He brings up the topic first. He proclaims his moral superiority over the humans because his species is vegetarian. He says, we are a very old race, very old and ponderous. It's difficult for us to move around. You can appreciate anything so slow and heavy would be at the mercy of a more agile form of life. There was no use in our relying on physical defenses. How could we win? Too heavy to run, too soft to fight, and too good-natured for game. And the captain replies, well, then how do you live? And the wub says, plants. Vegetables. We can eat almost anything. We are very Catholic. Tolerant, eclectic, Catholic. We live and let live. That's how we've gotten along. At this point, the wub doesn't deny that he'd be good to eat. He says, I'm told it's good, a little fatty but tender. But then he says, you know, 
what's the point of eating me? He says, how could any lasting contact be established between your people and mine if we resort to such barbaric attitude? Eat me? Rather, you should discuss questions with me, philosophy, the arts. And now, so there's a few values here. It is wrong to eat helpless animals. That's one of them. And that's what the wub says, you know. Helpless animals, you shouldn't eat them, all right? It's not just wrong, but it's cruel and almost pathetic in the wub's point of view. It's, there's nothing challenging. There's nothing great about eating meat in the, in the wub's opinion. Tolerance and open-mindedness is contrasted alongside the wub's vegetarianism. They go together. Nature is brutal and vicious, but the more enlightened species accept the philosophy of live and let live. Um, and then there's, well, there's other levels to it, but we'll, I think we'll get to this a little bit later. The Wub manages to convince most of the crew that it is wrong to eat him, at least. It's a logical extension of the claim, it wouldn't hurt anybody. That's what they end up saying. The crew says, it wouldn't hurt anybody. And this can be easily extended to all animals. Um, now, I'm not sure if Dick is vegetarian. I don't think he was. But this is a, an interesting kind of attempt to make a case for vegetarianism via, via science fiction story. Essentially, the foundation of, of vegetarianism is, is empathy for animals that are weaker, not as intelligent, and, and, and less, willing, less able to resist than, than human, humans. So the second theme in the story beyond vegetarianism, which is really a big one, this is about eating, in fact, that's the, that's the thing that runs through the whole story. But another one is this overuse of resources. There are basically three or four reasons humans in Dick's novels go to space, as I already suggested. One is to find a new frontier. One is to leave a dead earth. The second might be war, I want to say. Um, but that's kind of a connection of this fourth one, which is seeking out resources. Um, now, whether that frontier is good or banal is something that Dick's going to change his mind about in various times. But there's just a handful of reasons. They contradict sometimes, but they're all there in, in his works. And uh, it's something that's of much interest to me, so I'll point it out when it comes up in these works. Um, but it's clear to Dick in the story that, that it's better to find the frontier as a way to remake humanity or to give it a renewed birth. And this is really the theme in, in stories like Mr. Starship. It's pretty unfortunate and pretty gross almost and pretty useless to just plunder resources, right? In this story, the humans are plunderers of resources. Yes, they work with the local people and they purchase meat and, and other products from the local people. Um, but this is actually related to the vegetarianism. The wug is clearly an advanced species. He consumes only the plants and vegetables uh, on his planet. He's willing to live in harmony with his environment. The Wub is the sustainable environmentalist, in other words. He's even willing to sacrifice himself for the well-being of the crew. So he's just a newcomer on this crew. He's barely a crew, right? He's a captive, but he's still willing to, you know, draw lots to see if he's the one who's going to be eaten. He's willing to sacrifice himself for the needs of the crew, but he's just pointing out that it's not necessary that you eat me. Right? So he has this very empathetic, very self-surrendering um, attitude about, about his fate. And about, you know, the purpose of life, right? You're supposed to live in harmony with those that are around you. That, that's what we get out of the, the depiction of the WAP here. 
He's only objecting, and his objections only come from being singled out as the victim kind of unfairly, as being said, oh, because we bought you because you're an inferior species or whatever, which the wolf obviously isn't. But um, he's objecting to just being singled out as the outsider and therefore eaten. Um, the third theme is fate. The third theme of this story is fate. Fate comes across in this tale in a few ways. One is the Wub proposes kind of a Jungian argument um, about... Sorry, I had to find it in the text. He says, I find in your Odysseus, a figure common to the mythology of the most self-conscious races. As I interpret it, Odysseus wanders as an individual aware of himself as such. This is the idea of separation, of separation from family and country, the process of individuation. Right, so this is kind of a Jungian argument, it seems to me, that this is, this is a, a story that's reflecting the, 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 the common collective subconscious of the human race, and that is the tension between community and maturation, the tension between being part of a society and having to venture out on your own to become a fully developed individual. So this is something all people must bear. He, he goes on after um, Peterson kind of gives some details about Odysseus, the Wug says, all, must, all, all creatures must return home. The moment of separation is a temporary period, a brief journey of the soul. It begins, it ends. The wanderer returns to the land and race. Uh, and this is when the, the captain jumps in and just kind of shoots him. Um, but according to the captain, the Wug, though, is doomed to die because it tastes good. Or at least it looks like it tastes good. And he confessed that he tastes good to the captain. He says... Quote, it is a wub. It is to be eaten. The wub does not disagree with fate entirely either. Obviously, he, he sees it in this kind of Jungian sense that we're all fated to, re, to return home or all fated to have the struggle with individualization. But he even makes the more banal point that, that he himself is addicted to various forms of relaxation. He's almost fated to be kind of lazy, sluggish, a uh, bit of a hedonist, I suppose. Um, at least maybe in the Epicurean sense of hedonism, a life of friendship and, and, and ponderous reflection. He's willing to accept fate based on random chance as well, such as when he offers himself to be part of the drawing of straws. He argues that fate is, is most just because it protects the minority from the infringements of the majority. He is even willing to accept the will of the majority, putting it to a vote, in a type of democracy. And when they engage in the story of Odysseus, as we said, he's arguing that Odysseus is a metaphor for the inevitability of returning to, to home. So that's the third theme. Now, the fourth theme, which seems to be the main theme of the story, actually, there's not that much to say about it. And that is the transmigration of the soul. Um, we don't really know much about this. All we know is that the Wub has this concept that souls move, that souls return to their home. They, ha they must come back. And that's why he's interested in the tale of Odysseus. Um, and all we really know is that at the end, when the captain eats the wub, the wub's soul gets incorporated into the captain's body, and he basically takes over that, that body. So it's not clear. Is the, it seems the wub are a real species on this planet. Um, the local people knew about it. They don't seem to mention that it transmigrates. Uh, but maybe it's never really clearly established if the wub is the soul, is this consciousness that's moving around. So the pig form is not the soul form the wub takes. Um, certainly this particular wub has psychic powers and is able to take over the mind of his murderer um, in order to live f 
forever. Uh, of course, the fate of Peterson is not well known. Um, the idea of one losing one's consciousness to an external malevolent force is something that Dick is going to play with a lot. You certainly have it in in Ubik you, uh, with this concept of half-life. That, that, that kind of gets uh, as a way for people to extend their life, often at the expense of, of others. At least in Ubik, I remember there's We'll, we'll talk more about it when we get to it, but in, in that story, there's this projection of the will of the person who has died on, on the living. You have We have examples of aliens taking over minds. We have examples of people who are programmed to, robots that are programmed to think they're human and therefore kind of lose their identity and consciousness throughout their, their story. So that, that fragility of, um, of individualism uh, to some other force is a big theme in his work. And it'll come up a lot. So let's just kind of leave it at that and, and, and know this is a theme there. And maybe we'll come back and be able to compare other works to how it's, how it's done here in Beyond Lies the Wub. Okay, so there it is. That, that's, that's the first published story of Philip K. Dick, Beyond Lies the Wub. It's another fun little story with deep themes. And it actually gives us a lot of material to talk about. If you have any of your own comments, please you know comment on this podcast or email me at 100pagescast at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to this, you might enjoy listening to my mainline podcast, which is American Writers 100 Pages at a Time, where I read through uh, more broadly American writers uh, kind of with bigger chunks of text in each episode. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. So thanks so much. If you're reading along with me, the next episode will be the short story, The Gun, which is Dick's first public anyways declaration on the dangers of automation so thanks so much for listening rate subscribe and share and i will see you for the next story break me off a piece of that pork chop baby break me off a piece of that meat break me off a piece of that pork chop baby look good enough to eat break me off a piece of that pork chop baby break me off a piece of that meat Break me off a piece of that pork chop, baby, stop the traffic on the street.